time to down your unders. Down your unders. The Frontline Gaming Network brings to you Art of War. Down Under. Review and dissection of content from some of the sharpest minds in the game. Hosted by Adam Camilleri. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode 29 of the Art of War Down Under podcast. My name is Adam Camilleri. I'm joined by the intrepid, the indomitable, the amazing John Lennon. How you doing, dude? Howdy, howdy. I am happy to be here. Doing well and uh, looking forward to talking about the secrets of the First Legion. Yeah, we're here to talk about the Unforgiven, the, 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 the best voice, the most wonderful of wonderful, and now soon to be the most terrifying of terrifying. I think it's the general consensus, but uh, I think they were, that's not much change for the status quo for, I think, for Mr. Lennon and myself. We were both pretty, pretty sure they were up there with the best already prior to this codex, but we're here, we're here to do part one of our review of um, the Dark Angels codex supplement. Now, I'll tell you a little bit about my podcast, Art of War Down Under. We are a two-part podcast, the first part of this being available for general consumption on the Frontline Gaming Network and on the artofwar40k.com, which is the new Fandagle amazing website for the Art of War, where you can find all the Art of War content, including my podcast and Nick and John's podcast, which I think you were just on, Mr. Lennon, talking about your Nopen extravaganzas. Now, you can purchase my podcast and that one for a lump sum, which is... Um, a dollar, a dollar off the purchase of each podcast should you go through the patrons. Now, the other uh, other Patreon perk that you have for my podcast is, of course, you get the part two of this, which is uh, will be, in this case, will be Mr. John Lennon and myself um, talking about a Dark Angels from a fundamental level, how to play them, how to construct lists, the secondaries to take, the stratagems that are going to be your bread and butter, uh, things like CP expenditure, and, of course, listener questions and lists for review by the Patreon group. Now, this podcast and the part two are available over a week early in the Patreon group, I had somebody ask, "Why do you, why does these uh, why do your podcasts always seem to come out so late for the reviews?" Like, because I had the the part one of the Death Guard Codex just came out last week, and that's already a week after it was released. That's because that was out for a week early, the same week that it was released for general consumption. The Codex, the part one of the review was out for the patrons, so you guys get it. Everyone else gets it a week later. Still pretty good content, I gotta say. It's still pretty saucy, but it is you do get it a week early if you sign up for the Patreon. Now. The reason this podcast exists is because 40K is a hard game to keep up with. It's a very hard game to digest um, a lot of the time. And for a lot of people, it's just not feasible to sit down and study and absorb um, every single book and every single piece of literature and rules that come out from GDUB. So this podcast exists to provide that to you guys. Um, Whether you wish to pay for it or not, you'll forever get the actual breakdown of the content for free. E.g., the, the the rules will always be broken down for you guys for free and released for free. As e.g., evergreen content, but uh, all the the nuanced and the the degree stuff and the experts, as in the the drawing out the goodness from John Lennon's brain and dissecting it and putting it on a platter for you guys in the Patreon group, is of course uh, at a cost. But please, if you do find this stuff enjoyable, jump over into Patreon, support us. Jump over to theartofwar.com and support us. Um, it was greatly appreciated. But anyway, John. Where, where can people find you? What do you do? Do you want to plug yourself? Do you need to plug yourself, seeing as we're both kind of the, of the same brand? But if you, if you would like to, this is your opportunity. Absolutely. So you can find me with The Art of War. And of course, all the wonderful things before, I'm sometimes a little guest on the podcast with uh, Nick and John Damaris. Um, as well, you can find us on YouTube. The Art of War 40K uh, is our, uh, our, our channel name. Uh, as well, you know, The War Room, all of the good stuff you can find at theartofwar40k.com. Uh, I do 40K coaching as well. If you want a list, if you uh, want a personal coach, you want to have a phone call to discuss an army, or if you just want to watch me play in the war room, all of these things can be found at our website. 
as well, this is the free part, you can find me at Florida Man 40K. Florida Man 40K is a podcast I'm a part of. Uh, no Patreon, you can just find us uh, basically anywhere you find podcasts. Go to YouTube, Podbean, Lib- Libsyn, wherever you want to go, you can find me at Florida Man 40K. But uh, yeah, I am super excited here. I'm ready to talk about the Dark Angels. This is probably one of the more exciting uh, releases that they've done in a while from a rules perspective. Yeah, me too. I feel like it was it was somewhat heralded. Like I feel like okay, so my first impressions is they got more than I thought they were going to get <laughs> because I thought they were already Same. working from a very strong position. Same. What are your thoughts, brother? Oh, absolutely. Uh, better than I was expecting. Um, hmm really is the diversity of the the buffs that they got that surprised me. Yeah, uh, we saw yeah, with too. Space Wolves and Blood Angels where from their index, it was give some, take some, where you know, their data sheets were about the same. They got a couple stratagems taken away. They gained a couple new ones that were pretty good. Frankly, the codex to the index was not a huge jump in power for either the Wolves or the Angels. And now Dark Angels were probably the strongest of the indexes, but I was still expecting about the same thing with some relatively same level of power. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, lose some strats, gain some strats, uh, yeah. relics and spells that didn't make a huge impact, but were just kind of reprints of what the book had before. Yeah, so agree. I agree. I feel like, I, I, yeah, I was wrong too. I thought they were just going to get more well-rounded, so to speak. They were going to stay about the same mm-hmm. where they were. And some of the stuff that we'd never heard of or you, you were never seeing at the moment was probably going to get better. E.g. the Ravenwing elements were probably going to get better. Deathwing elements are probably going to stay the same. That was my assumption. Greenwing probably gets better as well. Um, but man, everything got better across the board and to possibly terrifying levels. But let's jump in for those following at home, those who, who uh, happen to have this codex or want to read along. Uh, we're going to be starting on at page 42 um, from this, this section. We're going to be going for an hour. Then we're going to cut it and we're going to finish it off probably most of the data sheets, the secondaries, and possibly even uh, the relics in part two of this next week. But this week, we're going to probably be talking a lot about a few different bits and pieces here. But first up is the detachment abilities. Now, to summarize a lot of things that here, for the first time, we've seen a, a, a super doctrine that has been broken down into three different portions, as in different portions of your army get bonuses in different doctrines. Um, is that the best way to describe it, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, where other armies get every unit to benefit from the super doctrine in one doctrine, It appears that for Dark Angels, they've gone to very extensive lengths to make sure that there are no units that will benefit from two different turns of Doctrine, but different elements of your army are going to benefit at different times. So very interesting here. I'm surprised that uh, of all the chapters, I mean, I guess Dark Angels and Ultramarines would have made the most sense, but Mm. this is a very refreshing mechanic, and frankly, it is very cool. It is. It is very, very, very cool. And I, th- I think there's something I'd like to see adopted more wholesale for everybody. Um, like you could, theoretically, you could have Long Fangs getting better in Dev and then, you know, Wolfen and Thundercav getting better in Assault. And that would, stuff like that would, would make sense for a lot of other factions. So maybe this is the test bed to see where we, where we go with it. But the first thing for the detachment abilities, um, Ravenwing, Dark Angels, all gain the Jink. So anything that's Ravenwing keyworded gets a jink now. As as was the index, you had to have a jink listed as the special rule on your data sheet. And now it's a, a special rule that comes attached to the keyword. And the same, of course, for Inner Circle and Deathwing. Um, if any, every unit in your army has Dark Angels keyword, every unit has the uh, Combat Doctrine's ability, of course, and has the Sons of the Lions ability, which is what I'll jump into now. So this is broken up into a couple of different elements, and we'll, we'll touch on the first one and discuss it. So whilst the Devastated Doctrine is active for your army, uh, add three inches to the move characteristic of Ravenwing units from your army. Ravenwing units from your army are eligible to shoot within a 
shoot in a turn in which they advanced. Each time a model in that unit makes a ranged attack in the turn in which it advances, that attack suffers the penalty incurred for the hit roll as if he was firing an assault weapon. So you get plus three movement and you can advance and shoot at neg one, essentially. But see, I think this is I think this is absolutely incredible. But a lot of people are saying this is the weakest one. What do you think, dude? Oh my goodness, I thought this was the strongest one. Um, you know, getting that turn one, getting that turn one speed on every Raven unit in your army is fantastic. Again, advancing mm-hmm. shooting, so many people like to deploy defensively early on anyway. Like they put their yeah. stuff in ruin or in forests or ruins. So if you're shooting them, you're taking a negative to hit, or you just don't have line of sight. So I advancing to actually get shots and then take a minus one that you may have taken anyway, depending on the opponent. I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, I think it's it, absolutely <laughs> brutal, honestly. Um, and for a lot and of a lot of these units, it's a that's a twenty three inch move, right? Because move fourteen plus six mm-hmm. for being on a bike and the auto advance plus three. That's essentially it's a redeploy to all intents and oh, purposes. Oh yeah, absolutely. It really is that that is brutal speed that uh, you don't get in most other armies. Um, we're jumping ahead a little bit, a little foreshadowing here, but you want to we might as well tell people how this interacts with Jink. Yeah, are you able to explain how Jink works? Oh, you, you know, we might as well. So Jink, uh, you probably saw it before. Jink is anytime a uh, so anytime a uh, Ravenwing unit didn't hold still in its past turn, not moved, just didn't hold still, which means you do get a turn one if you haven't moved yet, uh, you get a five up and vulnerable save. And if you advance, you get a four plus and vulnerable save. So the ability to advance and keep shooting means that you advance and get a four up in and keep shooting, which is exactly right. a lot better when you put it that way. So turn one, your whole army can move well because we can you can make a, it's realistic to make a whole army of ravenwing now you can move 23 inches still shoot do some effective firepower and be very defensive on the return i think it's enormously powerful but you want to touch on the next next portion for us the fire discipline absolutely so fire discipline is uh while the tactical doctrine is active for your army uh infantry models from your army excluding deathwing can make attacks with rapid fire and assault weapons that aren't blast while they're within engagement range of enemy units but must target any unit that you know they're within within engagement range of uh if they do that then they're treated as having ballistic skill of 5 plus instead of their normal one. But if you happen to hold still because you're a Dark Angel, you will get that plus one to hit still, so you could potentially mm. be hitting on fours. Uh, super good, honestly. Um, where other armies have fall back and act, Dark Angels are basically incentivized to stay in combat and act. Yeah. Um, what do you think gets the best mileage out of this? Because obviously the f- my first thought was like, ah, oh, aggressors, but aggressors aren't the, in the best position in other portions of the game. Um, where do you, what's a unit that gets crazy mileage out of this, do you think? Frankly, we're going to go super out of left field here. Uh, Hellblasters. Ooh, good. Good pick. They're, they're yeah. a, I was going to touch on in part two. They're a, a cheeky little pick of mine now. They're a cheeky uh, little pick. exciting. Um, yeah. Just honestly, for me, it's the generic intercessors. Um, you want sure. troops in this, and you do want some, you don't want a ton, but you do want some troops in Dark Angels, especially you want object units still. Uh, we'll talk about that a lot later. Um, but just having troops is still not bad, frankly. Um, and just having weight of fire, I think, is where the, this gets most valuable. Um, because you're probably not packing enough anti-tank in a unit that's going to be in combat with a tank to shoot it. What I really want is if I'm getting bogged down by hordes, I want to be just dropping bolt gun shots in them to clear them mm-hmm. out. So honestly, bolter aggressors aren't bad. Auto bolt rifle intercessors still good. Units like that, I think, are going to benefit the most here. Yeah, I think so too. All right, the next portion of this, on most armies, we'd be done talking about their super doctrine, but we're still uh, but we're not. last one. Uh, implacable while the assault doctrine is active for your army each time a deathwing infantry or deathwing dreadnought model from your army makes an immediate attack against a character unit or unit that contains any models with a wounds characteristic of eight or more you can re-roll the wound roll 
Uh, that is just such a nice cherry on top that, yeah, I, I like this one uh, immensely on things like Blade Guard. Blade Guard being strength five, minus three, two damage rules to wound means all of a sudden they th- are a massive threat to any character in the game, even things like uh, Magnus, maybe not Mortarian with the minus one damage, but they are just butchers in the, the Devastator Doctrine. A huge fan of this. 100%. I would say that this is absolutely the. Um, this is going to keep Blade Guard relevant because, frankly, Inner Circle being given to them was awesome, but I still felt like the Terminators were a little bit better. Uh, this mm-hmm. right here is a strong argument for the inclusion to of Blade Guard. Uh, really, mm-hmm. really impressed by this one. Um, it it's situational, but frankly, the things that you need it for are usually the ones that you're going to get it against. Where yeah. there's very very few things that you need these rerolls against that aren't going to fit the requirements. Yeah, exactly right. All right, tell us about First Company and how this works. All right, so actually, I am going to just back up just a little bit here. I do want to just emphasize how strong this Super Doctrine is, and we're going to talk about it more later, but I think that one of the things that Dark Angels do best are Doctrine Manipulation and the ability mm-hmm. to keep units in different Doctrines of the active. I think that they're the best chapter in the game at that. And yep. I know we already talked about how strong this is, but I think that's what makes this so good. And we'll, we'll talk yeah, about it when so. we get there, but like, I just want to hammer it in now while you're thinking about the Super Doctrine. <laughs> it's not, like, I get it, turn one, oh, I'll just hide turn one, and then the Ravenwing buff doesn't matter. It, it's not just the turns that you that you normally get. Yes. Dark Angels yeah. are really, really good at that. But let's talk about the first company. So if you've got a all-Dark Angel army, except for unaligned, oddly enough, an agent of the Imperium does actually uh, stop this, um, then... Definitely Terminators, so definitely Terminator squads, uh, Assault squads, and Relic Terminator squads, and a Vanguard detachment gain the objective secured ability as long as every model in that detachment is Deathwing or Inner Circle. And then if Mm. your Warlord is part of the detachment, the detachment command benefits are changed to plus three command points. So basically, if if you're in a Vanguard, you've got a Deathwing Warlord in the Vanguard, and it's all Deathwing and Inner Circle in this Vanguard, you gain plus three command points, which is just going to offset the cost of the Vanguard the same way that having your Warlord in a patroller battalion would. And then, mm-hmm. again, in this all-deathling Vanguard, every Terminator squad, Terminator uh, Assault squad, Relic Terminator squad, and Deathwing Terminator squad all gain objective security. Wow. Yeah, wow. Uh, this is... This and the, and the one that's going to follow, because we might as well talk about these together. So yeah. the second company is uh, exactly the same thing, but for Ravenwing, so Outriders and Bikes. Um, in the gain objective secured, as long as your warlord is part of that detachment and this detachment's command benefits uh, change to three. So as lo- sorry, as long as your warlord is part of the detachment, you get the three command points. Um, so between these two, you can make you, like a battalion for or a patrol for like being the cornerstone to building blocks of, of armies is kind of not a thing for Dark Angels anymore. It's it's kind of you looking at either which do you want to the Vanguard or the Outrider. And man, my God, I don't think there is a wrong choice between the two there really isn't uh, my pick is that the deathwing is a little stronger than the ravenwing because of the the ones it applies yeah. to for so for second company it specifically applies to bike squad and outrider squad so only mm-hmm. those two units which means that uh some of the more unique uh bikers like attack bikes scout bikes black knights yes. none of those yes. are actually going to benefit it's only outriders which just went up in points and bike squads so for I me i think loved- first company is the winner there 
Mm, I would have loved to have seen a bone throw to like Lance Peters or something in there because that would have just given exactly. Lance Peters at least a lease on life, giving them yep. off sec. But yeah, I, I do agree. I think the bikes and outriders are, well, especially outriders being limited to 23 models does make them quite limited. The mobility they have is absolutely absurd and the flexibility you get in those units when they become off sec is, well, we saw people breaking their brains about um, about Death Watch. Death Watch having, oh, off sec outriders, oh my God, that's ridiculous because you combat squad and, you know, um, get outriders with obsec. Uh, essentially the same thing um, here, but you get an, a, a free involve <laughs> essentially just for existing um, and mm-hmm. doing what you're going to be doing anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, I do agree. I think the 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 fact that the Deathwing with the permatranshuman, which we're, we'll discuss in a moment, just makes that the solid, most reliable backbone of pretty much any dark dark angels army you're ever going to make. Yep, absolutely. Um, Still right. super strong. Though. Oh, it's phenomenal. They're, they're both crazy, crazy, crazy good. Jumping over to rites of initiation. So if your army is battleforged, when mustering your army, you can upgrade any of the following units, excluding named characters, to in a Dark Angel attachment in your army to become members of the Deathwing. A captain, a primarist lieutenant, dreadnought, land raider, repulsor, storm raven, transport that can transport terminator models. Um, each time you upgrade one of these units, it gains the Deathwing keyword and its power rating increased, blah, 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 blah. Um, making you on the army roster, etc., etc. Uh, so, Captain, uh, 20 points, Primarist Lieutenant with a Storm Shield, 15, Dreadnought, 15, Land Raider, 10, Repulsor, 10, Storm Raven, 10, and Transport with Terminator Models, 10 points. This isn't setting me on fire. It's cute. It's nice. Um, I can't really envision using it all that often, but I might be wrong, John. Uh, I think you're right. Cute. Um, frankly, the best place to use it is um, on a Captain. And uh, really, um, that's just to give him the access to Inner Circle. So and mm. for the points, you know, that's really not bad um, if you put it on an infantry captain. Um, but honestly, I think that that's about the best thing you can do. Um, otherwise, you know, Deathwing on a Dreadnought is uh, pretty good. Again, it's yep. definitely not bad where you can get those rerolls in the, uh, in, you know, the, uh, in the Assault Doctrine. Um, with that said, I actually have not figured out what the benefit is of making a Land Raider Deathwing. I have not found a Deathwing rule that benefits a Land Raider yet. Mid. So and uh, the same I, goes for all, all those vehicles except the dready. Yeah, I can't think of a reason to do it for any of those vehicles because they can just a normal one can still transport them. But it's fluffy. Yeah, um, very good for you know mm-hmm. if you're doing a crusade mission and such. Um, but I, I think if you're if you happen to be taking a walking captain, this is a great choice. If you are taking one dreadnought, I would think about it. But frankly, um, maybe only if it was like a four-drill dreadnought where it doesn't normally get rerolls because it's not core. Um, would they get inner circle with this upgrade they do get inner circle but the inner circle is specifically the only wounded on fours does only work on infantry yeah so yeah, i don't see much i mean you you make the dreadnought auto pass morale but i don't think that was the problem <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true yeah i i agree that i mean maybe the lieutenant maybe like is it's a pri- at least it's a primaris lieutenant with us uh, you could you can put a storm shield on a primaris lieutenant now you okay. can uh, the the indominus box lieutenant yeah, I was joking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was just like, ah, oh, oh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, fair. It's it's actually it's the it, of all the upgraded ones like this, this is the one I see getting the least use of any of the codexes. Yep. Even the, the cryptomancer ones and the the extra plaguey plaguey ones from Death Guard. Because that's exactly what they're, you know, that's that what that is exactly what they're yeah, called yeah, in the yeah. book. Just extra plaguey plaguey. This one I can't find a reason to use unless like you said you got to walk it you got a walking captain but i'm like if you're yeah. taking captain you're probably chucking him on a bike or in terminator armor and then if he's in terminator armor he gets deathwing anyway like well I, you could theoretically put it on a bike captain 
which is the only way to get a unit with both the Ravenwing and Deathwing keywords. Um, well, I don't and... think you can actually, because they've stated that they've, they've actually put in limitations. Primary Lieutenant equipped with Storm Shield, it would say Captain on Bike if you could do it on a Captain on Bike, I believe. Oh, I just thought it was just the keyword Captain. But uh, either way, I, I, I think right. yeah. maybe like a Jump Pack Captain then. Um, and it does also affect Warlord traits, which we'll, we'll talk about later, and Relics. Mm-hmm. So maybe, but I, I agree overall. I, I think this is unlikely to be used often and definitely not going to be the staple of many lists. Yeah, fair enough. All right, jumping down to the stratagems. First one, Wrath of the Lion, 2 CP. Use stratagem in your command phase if a combat doctrine is active for your army. Till the start of your next command phase, each time a Dark Angels model from your army makes an attack with a weapon specified by the active combat doctrine, a modified hit roll of 6 improves the armor penetration characteristic by 1. This is culminative with any bonuses active for the combat doctrine. You can only use this stratagem once. This is a pretty weird one to me and it seems like it stands out in the kind of lexicon of stratagems it seems good but what do you think dude um it's definitely in the not bad category uh what's Mm. gonna be hard is taking the weapons to take advantage of it um to me like we've seen this kind of stratagem in other chapters it's just different where with iron hands it's only in devastator white scars it's only in assault this is any doctrine again Mm. you know dark angels are you know jack of all trades here um but really, it's this is going to be a hard one to use because you need to be bringing a lot of your army to bear at the same yeah. time and already be in the active doctrine and then not have high enough AP that this will actually matter. So to me, this is screaming for tactical doctrine, bringing in a lot of bolt guns, um, strong bolters off of a Terminator unit. This is where like I'm already getting a bonus for my doctrine and I want another one. Like, if I'm in yeah. Dev Doctor, this is potentially going to 3 AP3 on a lot of my heavy weapons, or AP6 like mm. on a multi-melta. And very often, that doesn't actually matter. Sometimes it will, but very often it doesn't, or I don't have enough heavy weapons to really take advantage of this. So the only time I've used it is to get essentially another turn of Dev Doctrine onto Talon Masters. Like, I've, I've got three Talon Masters, and I want all their t- t- mm. Twin Assault Cannons to go back into essentially Dev Doctrine. The Heavy Bolters don't get it, but, you know, they've got 12 shots each with their Assault Cannons. And for 2 CP, that seemed okay. Um, I'm not, but it's like it's a it's a one game out of like five, ten games. You, you're gonna do it. Yeah, not not a, like remember that you have it, but I don't think that you're game planning on this one very often. This is All really right, like I'm trying to knock someone out this turn. Next up, let's yeah, talk about right. intractable. So this is uh, use this strategy in your movement phase when a dark angel unit from your army is selected to fall back. Um, if that unit's inner circle, then you don't need to uh, roll a two d six to see if it can fall back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just automatically does it, and I guess we should point out then that uh, you do have to roll a 2d6 and equal or under your leadership in order to fall back within your circle. Yep. And then until the end of the turn, that unit is eligible to shoot. So 2cp, fall back and shoot. Um, not fall back and shoot and charge like some of the other ones. Just just shoot, and then you auto fall back if you would have to roll for it previously. Um, yeah, I, I, I will point out I do find it annoying that the... Um... The jink and inner circle rules are not for another like six pages, and that they're yeah. there all over the pages that we've already read. Yeah. They're all over all <laughs> these things. Surely you just put them above everything, right? But never. No, mind. no. We'll um, we'll get those. We'll get to those later. Yeah, uh, I like this one. I like I like this one. It's weird that the um, they put in the caveat for the inner circle ability because most of my guys who have inner circle don't shoot that much. So they yep. don't get as much mileage out of this as uh, essentially everything else in the army. Like I do actually quite like this on a lot of Raven Guard units um, and on things like uh, Inceptors. I think this is uh, absolutely incredible. But yeah, apart from that, like the inner circle thing is just being in there is nice, I guess, because 
I have failed that already. Have you failed that yet in your games? Have you failed before? I actually have not. I have failed it, and it's it's, it's, it's not real bad. It was um one. It was one. T- uh, it was one. Uh, Deathwing Terminator with a Thunderhammer Storm Shield in combat with Mortarian, and I had two wounds left. I'm like, if that boy falls back, I can kill Mortarian with all these Inceptors and Talon Masters and stuff. If I if I fail this roll, I'm so screwed, and I failed the roll, and I was screwed. Oh, no. <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> but yeah, um, next one is uh, Deathwing Assault. This is one CP. Use a stratagem in your shooting phase when a Deathwing unit from your army is selected to shoot. Each time a model in that unit makes a ranged attack, if it was set up on the battlefield, this turn a result of a teleport homer or teleport strike, add one to the attack's wound roll. This So this used to be fight again. It was a 2 CP slash 3 CP, uh, sorry, a shoot again. It used to be 2 CP slash 3 CP, depending on how big the unit was. This one um, actually seems pretty nice, but it, the, the units that I want to use it on aren't units that are in reserve anymore. They're usually starting on the table. But how do you how are you feeling about it, mate? Uh, that's the biggest thing is, you know, what units actually want to use this. Um, what kills me is that um, I really want to have a teleport homer, but then if I have mm-hmm. a teleport homer, then I don't have any storm shields in the unit or I don't have any guns. Um, yeah. And that's the, the, the stratagem. It's nice if you build for it. And if you want to use it, you will build around using it. But I think that most lists are not going to just accidentally use this. It's not like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll use that now. It's either I'm planning on using this or I'm not. Because frankly, um, if you're taking a Deathwing shooting unit, you're probably barging across the board and don't have a teleport homework redeploy, is my Correct. There are some cute things you can do, like take a 10-man squad of Terminators, two assault cannons, um, combat squad it into, you know, five Thunderhammer Storm Shields or Lightning Claws, whatever, and then five... um, Stormbolt to Power Fist and with the two um, assault cannons and then deep strike that down for one CP, you know, and do a bunch of damage. But it's just such a niche unit that I just can't see it being yeah. great. And then, like, I mean, it's Stormbolt is getting plus one to wound. It's, it's cute. It's cute. I mean, like, uh, I don't know about you guys over there, but um, <laughs> Empress Children Terminators over here with plus one to wound. I've lost Redemptors to just Stormbolters from those dudes. Um, because yeah. it's a long wall, so it's not the worst thing in the they, world. They do work. It's not definitely not the worst thing in the world. Uh, I just don't think that we're going to use it that often. Nah, me either. All right, next one's yours. All right, uh, full throttle. Use a strategy in your movement phase when a Ravenwing unit from your army advances. That unit immediately makes a normal move up to twelve inches, but is not eligible to shoot or declare a charge this turn. And uh, if the unit contains five or less models, it's one CP. Otherwise, it's two. This thing sets me on fire. I love it. Love it. I love these double movement, redeploy, get speed to... And, like, I get it. You're not doing damage, but just get points. Um, oh, so good. Like, I, I've used this so far on a Talon Master with Rites of War to make contesting plays Oof. on turn five. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Very nice. Well, and that and the, um, you know, you think about the Outriders that, and the, the bikes that are now, you know, three-man Outriders that are now obsec, and you just... Oh, Okay, this turn, I'm going to sling this guy, what, on first turn, you can sling this guy 35 inches? Is that correct? Um, Because you go, you go yeah, 14, that's, plus that's 6, 35, plus, three, that's, plus 12, 35 inches. 35 inches, yep, you are correct. If you misdeployed and put one guy one inch on an objective, you can just be like, that's mine, buddy. But bada bing, bada boom, zero primary for you. Um, it, it, it seems very powerful. Um, and of course, yeah. the one CP, two CP is only going to be really relevant on because the only units I think I'm going to take for more than five mans of is probably Black Knights if I go that route. route. So I can't see myself paying two CP for this very often. 
No, I, I think this is essentially a one CP strategy. A one CP double move is insane value. Um, I've got a two CP one for my white scars, and I use it all the time. One exactly. CP is money. Mm. All right, next one. Line unbreakable one CP. Use your stratagem at the start of the fight phase. Select one Dark Angels infantry unit from your army until the end of the uh, fight. Intend that phase. Sorry, uh, that unit can only be selected as target for melee attacks if the attacking model is within engagement range of it. Note this means enemy models that are not within engagement range but are in half an inch of a model that is um, cannot attack. So it's literally they get to attack with their front rank uh, for for one CP. Love this isn't this. very. I love this as well, but this is something that we're going to have to wait and see how good it is because I feel like the prevalence of hordes in the meta is quite low. Um, mm -hmm. Like, I mean, Necron, uh, Deathwing units don't really need all that much help in combat versus um, Necron warriors and things of that ilk that are going to have like a phalanx of ranks upon ranks. Um, so maybe it's good against Orc boys. Do you see any other applications? This is actually really good into big model units. Think of things like Fiends, Beasts of Nurgle, mm -hmm. other Outriders. Where they're so like I can only get one mod or custodies bikes, yes, or like the the giant aqualons on like they're like fifty millimeter bases. They just get one model in, and then everyone else is just well, this guy's huge, and I'm near him. Well, if you think about it, like perfect example of being the Aquilon Terminators, the things that that ilk that will just like punch your face in. One CP to make if they got a squad of five, one CP to make two of those attack not attack is probably worth it, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, they're yeah. they hit hard. Like th those are. Like yes, like as the meta shifts, this will be more and less useful. Again, if orcs become popular again, I, you know, we have no idea about whether or not they're getting a new codex soon. But hey, if they do, and orcs become popular, and we start seeing 120 boys again, well, then this strategy is amazing. Yeah, and how big is it, how big would this be? Uh, the way I think this gets exponentially better is on things like our characters, like Azriel gets mobbed by 30 orc boys. Sorry, yeah. five. Of them, sorry, mate, five of them get to attack. <laughs> exactly. That, that's that's well, yeah. such a big deal. We're here all game. Thank you very much. <laughs> My free CP every turn. Azrael is just staying alive. That is, it's really potent. Yes, all right. I love Next this. All right, high speed focus. Uh, one CP um, in your opponent's shooting phase when they allocate a range attack to a Ravenwing vehicle model from your army till the start of your next turn. You have a four plus invulnerable save against range attacks. Uh, this is a very solid uh, one CP. I mean, you're probably going to have a five yeah. up invulnerable on all your Ravenwing vehicles anyway because they have Jink. But like, you know what? If you get a Talonmaster caught out a little bit, uh, you've got a vehicle that they're starting to shoot at. One CP, four plus invuln, very just nice thing to have. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I think at one CP, it's very, very, very nice. I mean, yeah. I'm, the Dark Talons is going to be something we're probably going to talk about either in this part two or the next one. Uh, sure, we're probably going to keep this part this part two to talking about the known quantities, the things we know is good. And next next part two, we'll do some speculation, talk about some theory crafting and what, we, what this book's going to evolve into as other things come out. But... What I wish this one, this one's weird. Yeah, how does this interact with something like Land Speeder Squadron? Like, if I have three Land Speeders, do they all get the four plus, or is it just to a, so it's a when Raven you, wing vehicle? It's a Ravenwing vehicle model, and it's when you allocate a range attack to that model. So it is a little yeah. bit. They they went very careful there to make sure that you don't get a four pinball on the whole unit. Uh, yeah. Just the model you allocate the attack to. Not fair. And this is a this is a nice cute way of uh, giving talent masters when you send a talent master out to do some work, uh, people think, oh, I'm just going to pick you up next turn, and then you can essentially there's there's the strat to lightning fast a um a speeder unit yeah in the main codex yeah and then, and then you got the strat so drop two CPs minus one to hit four plus invulnerable save and all of a sudden an effective sixteen wounds that you got to chew through so yeah it's, yep, it's quite cute I like it a lot yep. All right. uh, no foe too great to subdue, 2CP. 
you strategy in the fight phase when a Deathwing Knight unit from your army is chosen to fight to the end of the phase. Each time a model in that Deathwing Knight unit makes an attack with the Mace of Absolution against a vehicle or monster, add one to the attacks of Rune Roll and improve the armor penetration characteristic by one. So technically, this could be in Dev Doctrine and you have uh, Rend 4, plus one to wound, strength 8, 3 damage, uh, re-rolling to wound. <laughs> because Dev Doctrine and Deathwing. Um, but this seems very situational. And I'm not sure how I feel about Deathwing Knights at the moment. John, what's See, your take? That, that's my biggest thing, is that um, it feels redundant with the Assault Doctrine buffs, where mm. you're already going up to AP3 and re-rolling wounds. At that point, do you need plus one to wound and extra AP for two CP? And also, are you taking Deathwing Knights? I'm a little bit cold on them at the moment. They're definitely in the not bad category, just feel like they're competing with better units right now. So yeah, for the me, fact they, this is not really great unless Deathwing Knights get better. Yeah, the, the fact is they're, they're so much more expensive than a regular Termi. Don't get OBSEC. Um, can't shoot. They don't have the delivery mechanism that they had. La- well, we haven't gotten through all these yet, but they don't no longer have the delivery mechanism they had last time. Um, this actually frustrates me. It doesn't apply to the Flail as well. Um, well. I mean, give some love to the Flail. You know, <laughs> why, is the, why isn't the flail getting plus one to wound? The flail with plus one to wound would actually be sick into vehicles and monsters because uh, that would be wounding on fours, re-rolling with four, possibly um, five attacks, essentially. Yeah, it's weird that uh, they called out specifically the Mace of Absolution. The Maces, yeah, I find that really weird. But anyway, this one this one seems one of the worst ones to me because I'm of the opinion that most of the time Deathwing Knights either kill everything they go into anyway or um, this won't this won't help them. Like, this won't, this won't let them kill Morty, you know? Um, you'll get them closer, but they won't help them killing. He'll still, he'll still be alive. Yeah, but, I yeah. actually, I think Mortarian's like not a terrible time to use it, just because he may be shutting off your rerolls, so you don't get some of the other buffs. Oh, that's actually, that's actually, dude, very good call, very good call. I had that happen yeah. to me on the weekend as well. Um, but yeah, so, so spot on there. But then you need to also have Deathwing Knights and be playing against Mortarian for this to be useful. Like, okay, like <laughs> any <laughs> yeah, other fair. time, this is a miss for me. All right, you're next. All right, let's do it. So, March for Command. This is very basic. Um, basically, whenever a Dark Angel's Ravenwing Huntmaster or Nightmaster or a Dark Angel's model that has the word Sergeant in its profile, um, you just select one of those, and then they can have one of the following Specialist Warrior Relics, even though they're not a character. Uh, Mastercraft Weapon, Digi-Weapon, uh, Atonement, Bolt of Judgment. Um, these relics, they're, right, they're all unique, you, know, you can only take one, etc. Um, we haven't talked about the relics yet, unfortunately. Uh, we'll be going over those pretty soon, I'm sure. Um, this is fine. You see it all over the place. Again, I feel like literally Mastercrafted Weapon is the only one that we even consider here. Yeah, me too. And even then, I think it is for specifically the Deathwing Knights. So there's two applications here. I don't mind Mastercrafting uh, a Blade Guard Sergeant's weapon. Oh, so it's already, mm-hmm. Sorry, it's already Mastercrafted. Never mind, you can't do it. Yep. Um, you can't Mastercraft something that's Mastercrafted. Um, but yeah, so pretty much, it's pretty much the Flail, right? Yeah, the Flail of Absolution, uh, which we'll talk about when we get through the data profiles. This would be the best place to use it. Uh, it's a miss for the same reason as above, because I'm probably just not taking Death Knights in the first place. Um, and I mm-hmm. don't think there are enough units with Sergeant that I really want to Mastercraft our weapon. So it's fine, but it's it's the same as every other space room supplement. You will probably not use this very often. Agreed. All right. Uh, next two can be summed up pretty easily. Uh, the next one is Paragon of the Chapter, and then it's Honored by the Rock. So Paragon of the Chapter is your double Warlord trait strat, so you can generate additional Warlord mm-hmm. trait for a model. Yep. For yeah, for yep. your Warlord, it gets a second Warlord trait that has to be Dark Angels. Yep. And Honored by the Rock is to give a Dark Angel successor um, a relic. Essentially, yeah, it's super good, no argument. Um, but also, like, we know what these do. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly right. There's no yeah, real we, way to do that. So you, no, we, we know exactly what these are. More moral trade, more better. Yeah, exactly right. So feel free to jump in on the next one, brother. Tactical appraisal. All right, next up is tactical appraisal. We talked about document manipulation. In your command mm-hmm. phase, select one Dark Angel unit from your army within six months your Warlord. Uh, then select one Combat Doctrine until the start of your next command phase for the purpose of that unit. Treat that Combat Doctrine as being active for your army instead of the active Combat Doctrine. You don't need this strategy if every unit from your army has the Combat Doctrine's ability, except for, you know, Servitors, Unaligned, Agency, etc. Fantastic. One CP. Mm. Absolutely awesome. Uh, this is just so, so, so good. And it counts it as the active doctrine, which means that it does work for the purpose of the Wrath line that 2CP1 we talked about yes. earlier. Um, yes. It counts it as the active doctrine, which is just wonderfully good. Um, again, this is an absolute winner here. Um, if you've got a Warlord, especially with some of the Warlord traits that you, you, you can see later, putting units into any doctrine means that you can have turn one Deathwing units in Assault Doctrine reroll and mm-hmm. wound if your opponent gets aggro with a monster. It means literally any time they engage a Greenwing unit near your Warlord, don't care if you're tactical or not, go ahead and shoot them. Um, and yes. again, advance and shoot with a Ravenwing unit, just hang around your Warlord until you want to, and then one CP, boom, you're doing it. Oh, so strong. Uh, doctrine manipulation makes some of their super doctrines good. Absolutely. There is no core limitation, no character limitation, no troops or infantry or blocking limitation. You can chuck this on freaking anything. Someone yep. has even been crazy enough to come with me and say, Adam, I can just keep my um, repulsor executioner in dev doctrine the entire game. So it's all super random. You, you um, really can. If that's what you yeah, want, I'm, you can do it. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that actually doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it doesn't sound shocker, terrible, right? but I'm like, Damn, that sounds pretty good to me. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, this I think this one is one of the biggest winners here. And uh, I think I'm going to be, I use this judiciously and I'm going to be using this uh, a lot. I've used it several times already. I love it so far. Yeah. All right. Um, next one is the hunt, uh, 2CP slash 3CP. Use this strategy at the start of the first battle round before the first turn begins. Select one Ravenwing unit from your army. That unit can make a normal move as if it was your movement phase, but must end the move no more than nine inches away from any enemy models. Both players have units that can do this, blah, blah, blah. Usual caveats apply. First person taking the first turn gets the first move. Um, do units that contain five or fewer models cost two, otherwise it is three. I am a big fan of this one also. Um, I'm actually a little bit cold on this one. I yeah, I was thinking, like do you think you we moved really, so far already? You already moved really fast. It's two CP. Now I'll note that you can do it multiple times. You can do this three times, yep. spend six CP, move nine attack bikes. I think this is one of those stratagems that you tell your opponent you have it, they adjust their plans accordingly, and then you never use it. This is yes. a nice one to have. It's not one that I anticipate spending command points on often. This is one that I th- I think of as just a redeploy. I don't really feel like I'm going to use this to leave my deployment zone all that much. Um, a lot of the time, I don't know how you deploy things like Talon Masters, but I'll put one out on a flank and I'll drop that one first, make people think that's where I'm going to drop the other two or the other one, depending on how many. I think that's where my castle is going to be. And then my castle goes on the other side. And after they've uh, then I got my nice counter deploy against them. Two CP, move that talent master over to Johnny's mates. Off we go. It's a fun time. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I get what you mean. I like this as a redeploy, and I like this as an internal redeploy more than an external redeploy. If that makes sense to people, because most of the time, um, things like infiltrators will be insulating a lot of our stuff. Because uh, I do still think infiltrators are, are, too, are almost too good to leave at home. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, this one, I, I, I like this one. I like this one a lot, but yeah, being yeah. two CP and we're us having a a one CP double move just means that it doesn't matter so much, does it? Yeah, it's not bad, and especially the redeploy. I think is the best element of it, where maybe you yeah. put one aggressive, one unit super aggressive, one super defensive. If you go first, you go ahead and take the defensive one, put it up, and or do the opposite, you go second. Um, there's certainly play to the redeploy aspect, uh, but we've already got speed and spades. 
So I, yeah. I think this is a good one to have, let your opponent know you've got it, especially when you're putting Raven Wing in this time. There's definitely a fear factor to, wait, how far can your attack bikes move? And, <laughs> yeah. um, that's a good thing to tell people about, especially if they've got, you know, a really important transport with, like, repension. It's like, well, I guess I could chapter master this unit and then move them 14 inches, but then I could move them another 23 inches before I shoot you 24 inches, and then suddenly yeah. they're just tape measuring the whole board and panicking. Yeah, um, there's no way. It's a good, it's no a good strategy. Uh, don't expect uh, to use it every time. Let's talk uh, targeting guidance. Oh, this is one I love. Targeting guidance mm-hmm. is uh, 2 CP, you just strategy in your shooting phase. Select one enemy unit within 18 inches of and visible to a Ravenwing land speeder, that's the keywords, or a Ravenwing storm speeder, again, keywords, unit from your army. Till the end of the phase, each time a unit of a uh, model and friendly dark angel unit makes range attack against the selected enemy unit, add one of the attacks, hit roll. Woof. Love, love, love this strategy. Mm-hmm. No limit on core for who benefits from this. Yes. Just saying. And love that a Talon Master has keyword Ravenwing and keyword Landspeeder. Very convenient. Oh, it does. 18 oh, it inch does. range as well. And like, it's a big range, guys. You can just mm-hmm. point from like a quarter of the board away and be like, kill that guy, everybody. And 2 CP, everybody gets to kill that guy. Um, plus one to hit isn't as big as it used to be with a lot of. Um, but it's still phenomenally potent and the fact you get to put it on things like inceptors things like your your high value um high output things that can be a little squishy in some situations i think this thing is uh bread and butter this is a bread and butter strat to me yeah my favorite thing here is that when you combine it with the the penalty for advancing and uh shooting when you're if you're in dev doctrine to just yes. remove that yes Where well, that ballistic skill that four, one, mm. yeah ballistic skill four doesn't feel that great but i mean a space brain i want to hit on threes so getting all those advancing units right back up to threes can be very potent. That one downside you thought we had? Nah, sorry, mate. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Swift Strike, 2CP slash 3CP. Use a strategy in the fight phase. After a Ravenwing unit from your army has fought, if that unit is within engagement range of any enemy units, it can fall back as if it were the movement phase. Otherwise, it can make a normal move as if it were the movement phase. If that unit contains five or fewer models, it costs 2CP. Otherwise, it costs 3CP. This one blew my brains. Because we, we had this um, essentially in our Vigilus Ablaze. We had a 2CP fallback. Essentially, it's the same as what Harlequins get to do. Um, uh, you would go in, you would you would charge, you would fight, and then you would run away before they get to fight you back. Getting that back is incredible. I'm not sure it's going to be used uh, in the bully mechanics that I used to use it as, but I think it's really powerful. What do you think, John? Uh, great stratagem to have and remember that you have. Um, mm. Now, how many Raven units do you have that are actually going to be charging into combat means that I don't think you're going to use this every game because Black Knights are really the only melee unit that wants to take advantage of this unless you build it Correct. build like a, a bully captain to go do the same thing mm. um but i love it from a defensive standpoint where it's just possible that someone declares some multi-charge and they're like oh okay well i'm going to charge your your bike squad and your terminators i'm going to swing on the terminators first i don't want to get interrupted well you can interrupt spend these command points and leave before people hate you yes. they charge you. correct correct i also really like using this as a leapfrog so you've got a unit mm-hmm. of obsec bikes in the middle of the table. Someone's got their infiltrators up. Can't quite reach their home objective. Charge infiltrators, um, you know, get a seven and get it, and then pay two CP and essentially move 19, 19 inches. Um, that, that, those defensive and then... So yeah, you don't really use this to bully, which is what I used to use it for. when That was back when Talamasters, you could make two of them really quite killy. Um, mm-hmm. Talamasters don't have enough attacks to be a true bully anymore. But... Uh, yeah, I really like, I love the interrupt and then run away. I think that's phenomenally potent. Yeah, very good one to remember you've got. You can pull some really nice tricks here. Mm, for, for sure. 
All right, you're next. All right, let's do it. So, oh, secret agenda. One mm. CP uses stratagem after selecting secondary objectives uh, or agendas, which I think is a crusade uh, thing. Do not reveal one of your selections to your opponent. The first time you score victory points or experience points, again, crusade for it, reveal it to your opponent. Note that you must still have a record of your selection. We recommend writing it down and concealing it until revealed. You can only use this, this stratagem once. Oh dear! This Secret is uh, secondaries. People this, are going to this, this one. Absolutely, this actually opens uh, some cans of worms um, at some levels of the game, where questionable things may happen at times, and people may be concerned that this is giving people an outlet for questionable things. Um, but, dude, give us your hot take. Oh, this is fantastic. Uh, Dark Angels naturally are pretty good at scoring secondaries, but a couple of them are very obvious. Um, there are going to be such, there are some games where I don't think this is worth taking. This looks like it's an auto take. Having played mm. with it, it's not an auto take. However, there are situations where this is very, very good. So when you hit them, be sure to recognize it. Spend the one CP. Anytime you're not sure on your third objective, you're not really sure which one you want to pick. Spend the CP. If it's not blindingly obvious which three you're taking, and you have to think about it, yeah. make your opponent think about it too. Now, sometimes it's going to be like you know, priority tar- objective. And it's like, well, I know I'm taking while we stand, we fight and one of the dark angel ones and, you know, priority targets. Sure. But if you're not sure your opponent's not sure, make them think about yeah. it. And, uh, what's, I, I, I got to talk about this. You reveal it when you score points on it. Several objectives mm-hmm. are not scored during the game and are scored at the end of the game. For example, assassinate. When you kill yes. a character, you don't score three points. It's at the end of the battle, score three points for every character you've slain. Not mm-hmm. when you slay it, score points. So you can take assassinate. Your opponent doesn't know. You can kill a, a captain turn two. Kill, kill, kill your opponent's character. They don't then find out that you're assassinating. They find out at the end of the game. Dude, 100%. You take things like uh, a Bore the Witch against, say, Greater Demon Spam, and you also take an assassinate. And they're like, oh, yeah, only worth three at the end of the game each. And then the first one dies, and you're like, ah, oh, six points. Thank you very much. Um, but things like while we stand as well, you touched on while we stand, you score that at the end of the game, guys. Everybody knows you score at the true. end of the game. Um, so yeah, assassinate, I think, is the best application here. Um, things like, so people people were talking about, oh, do you have to declare actions? Can you declare untrue actions? You know, Can I choose to declare an action that I'm not doing? You know, Can I just be like, oh, these guys aren't going to shoot because they're going to scramble? And then you don't haven't taken scramblers. This this is why it opens a little bit of a can of worms. What can you what can and can't you do? I think all that stuff is erroneously horrible, and you shouldn't even go into that. If people are entertaining those kind of things, you say that's not in the that's not in the intent of the game, not in the spirit of the game. Please don't do that in games with me. Because yeah, think that's you, you definitely cannot deploy a scrambler if you didn't take the secondary. But what you can exactly. do is take the secondary, not tell your opponent, and then not deploy a scrambler. And then you wait, and on turn three, you deep strike in their deployment zone and scramble. And they're like, oh, shoot, I wasn't even guarding that because you didn't start scrambling, and then you just need to get the easy ones. And that's the best application I've found for doing it with scramblers. (laughs) Don't play, you you take scramblers, you keep it secret, and then you don't play scramblers. Like, you just like, uh, 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 scramble, 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 done. Um, Yeah. My favorite thing to do there is to take scramblers and take a Phobos unit that can redeploy and then not deep strike anything so that they don't scream. Yes, good call. There's yeah, a lot of manipulation. Here. A lot yeah. of depth. Mm-hmm. I love this secondary or this. Uh, I, love I love it a lot. All right, last one now. Weapons of the freaking Dark Ages back. Oh, you Two CP shells. Oh, oh, apologies. They both started with S's. They do. Stasis shells. 
Uh, use a, it's two CP. Use a stratagem in your shooting phase when a Ravenwing model from your army shoots with an Astartes grenade launcher. That model can only make one attack with that weapon this phase, but if a hit is scored, the target is caught in stasis until the end of your next turn, and the attack sequence ends. While a unit excluding vehicles or monsters is caught in a stasis, it cannot fall back. My God. Oof. Devastatingly good. Yep. When you get someone who really wants to fall back and you just tell them no, that's going to be real bad. Mm-hmm. That's going to be really, this is really so bad. brutal in the shooting armies. If you can catch them, it's so horrendously bad. Yeah. Well, you, you think about some of the armies that haven't gotten codexes yet, like things like Tau, um, things like Guard. Yep. Things like Eldar, yep. these things that aren't notoriously known for having potent counter assault units, especially into some of these these chunkier marine bodies yep. that have access to things like tr- transhuman or perma transhuman. Uh, this thing is actually only going to get better from here. Like this, this, this is one that's going to be like really good now, stupidly good later. Absolutely, uh, this is fantastic. And again, um, trapping units that are normally screens so so strong. Like flying screens are very popular. You don't need to wrap. You don't have to worry about spending two command points. Don't care. Flying screen, hit it with a stasis grenade. Incredible. All right, dude, last one. All yours. All right. Weapons from the Dark Age. Two command points. Use a strategy in your shooting phase when a Dark Age unit from your army is selected to shoot. Till the end of the phase, add one of the damage characteristics of plasma weapons that models in that unit are equipped with. That is spicy. People, people are losing their minds that we got this back. I'm technically losing my mind that we got this back in this form. I thought we were going to get it in like a plus one to wound form or a plus yeah. one to wound and you don't overheat form or something else. I didn't think yep. they were just going to give us plus one freaking damage back and it's hurting my it's head. Here. <laughs> it's back. It's here. Give me a hot take. Uh, my hot take is if you're already taking Inceptors, um, probably take some more. If you weren't taking Inceptors, maybe take some. Um, I don't think Incept. I still, despite this, I don't think Inceptors are auto-take. <gasps> Ghastly, I, I know as it may seem, and I'll probably explain a bit more of that in part two. But uh, yeah, this thing is incredibly potent. I put, I think it was 14 wounds on Morty in a turn with six of these dudes with um, the assistance of a chaplain and the um, the plus one to hit buff from a, a lance beater. And like mm-hmm. we just we just almost killed him. So that kind of power is incredible from a single unit and the the fact that you can you know take six combat squad them down use this one turn use this next turn is and, and bring these guys back heal them feel no pain them oh, it's just so freaking good um i'm gonna keep the the kind of the little more nuanced plays you can do with this the things like the hell blasters the things like the uh dark uh, sorry the um the black knights possibly to part two because i think we could, there's some unpacking we need to do around those units to actually see the work how worthwhile it is but just on face value this thing is a slap an absolute slap to your opponent um strength eight minus three three flat three damage possible six shots per guy um on inceptors is incredible dude what's your what's your thoughts Hot take? I agree with you. Incept, um, this is not an auto take. It is very good if you decide to pursue it, but you're going to either go a bit hard into this or not at all. Um, and I think that yeah. both can actually be competitive. Again, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit deeper, a little bit later. Uh, but this is a very nice option to have in the toolkit. No one will complain about this strategy being in the book. Again, I don't actually think it's an auto take. But really really powerful if you choose to build around it yeah what, where i see this being um kind of ridiculous is people um say of the ilk of a necrons who are spamming out you know three you know invulnerable save three wound things like wraiths um and naturally you could either come down and you could just kill all the wraiths very easily or you come down and you put one inceptor into like three units of wraiths 
and you you got three inceptors and one because three inceptors may not kill five six wraiths, but they got three units of wraiths and you put one inceptor into each one and you kill like two from each squad, e.g. the perfect ratio to deny them getting one back. That kind of feels bad. Yep, absolutely. I love it. All right, dude, that encapsulates our stratagems. And my God, there are some good ones. And having having so having read out, and this isn't just me fanboying, by the way, guys. This isn't just me being a Dark Angels lover and it's one of my primary armies and factions. I do think these guys have one of the best sways of stratagems in the game. And it's probably going to break people's brains that they do because they've also got some of the best units, some of the best... Uh, everything's actually. They've got some of the best everything's. But yeah, the only other angels, faction... Uh, there which was worth the wait. Yeah, the only other faction that I've done a codex review for in 9th edition, a 9th edition codex, that has stratagems that rival these is uh, Necrons and Death Watch. Um, they have stratagems, e.g. they're as well-rounded and as flexible as these ones are. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, apart from that, like I have to go back to Sisters to find another codex that has strats as good as these are. Um so yeah, man, I'm very impressed. What are your thoughts about the the stratagem package? Uh, super good. Lots of tools for many occasions. Uh, what strikes me the most is that a lot of these are two command points, and a lot of mm-hmm. these are stratagems you game plan around. Space Marine mm-hmm. the Codex stratagems are stratagems you remember you have, and it's nice when you use them, yes. but you don't have to. Dark Angels are stratagems you game plan around, and that means that yeah. you need a game plan on having a lot more command points. For better or worse... Mm-hmm. Dark Angels are going to be built a little bit different than other Marines, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think that's a, a great summation there. All right, so we're going to take a... Well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about our sponsors, one of our supporters, the Frontline Gaming Network. We are no, we are now um, wholly supported by the Frontline Gaming organization and doing advertising directly for them so they have asked that i spruik and tell you about an incredible incredible uh product that they have available for you it's called a uh events pass express events pass for 2021 2022 um so what is it the frontline gaming uh 2021 express pass is a virtual ticket good for any three 40k events of your choice run by frontline gaming through to the end of 2022 not only do you save an average of 23 percent of the standard ticketing price for each of those events should you buy them individually you also get to register for the events before general registration opens so you never need to worry about missing out on one of your popular or most loved events um the crazy thing there is g like flg have announced that they're slated to run somewhere in the region of 14 major events between now and the expiry of this and these are events that could be happening all over the all over um the northern you know continental united states so please like this is an incredible initiative by them they're looking to get some money in the bank so they can plan bigger and better things and this is giving the benefits straight back to you guys jump onto flg um the frontline gaming uh website and you will find easily available to purchase these things are also covid proof the express pass is good until the end of 2022 giving you over 14 major 40k events to choose from the inventory is beginning to run low so please do not hesitate and uh, have the savings get the savings yourself 23 percent off on the ticketed price is an incredible value purchase you know it's a couple more couple more drinks couple more steak dinners out with your mates or it's just a couple more dollars in the bank in these kind of trying and tough times so jump over and support flg they are the guys that support us in the podcast that we do and they're also the guys who support the community and have helped us thrive and flourish for the past uh, eight years nine years now so yeah I, I i back these guys and if you do too jump over and support them all right john back into the nitty-gritty back into the goodness Warlord traits. We're probably going to do the Warlord traits, and then we're probably going to stop it for a day because, <laughs> man, because I actually, if we open the can of worms on the interromancy discipline, I feel like we have to like clear another forty-five minutes. Oh, absolutely! Interromancy is whew, that is one to watch out for. 
It's ridiculous. But Warlord Traits, give us the first one, dude. Absolutely. So the first Warlord Trait is Brilliant Strategist, which is, by the way, the one for Asriel. Um, and mm-hmm. Brilliant Strategist is in your command phase. You can select one friendly Dark Angels unit within six years of the Warlord. Gee, that sounds familiar. And yes. um, at the start of your next, and uh, until the start of your next command phase, it counts as basically being one Doctrine back. So if you're in Tactical Doctrine, it counts as being in Devastator Doctrine. If you're in Assault Doctrine, it counts as being in Tactical Doctrine. Um, and again, for all of their attacks, and again, it counts as, you know, being in that phase. And I should note, um, it's instead of, so you do benefit from it if you're, again, using that two CP stratagem for the active doctrine. It treats the doctrine as the active doctrine. Ah, yep. So it'll benefit from that. Super good here. Super this has good. been a go-to for mine in the index. Is this still a go-to now that we've got this codex out? You think? 100%. Uh, I happen to still like Azrael as my warlord, uh, which is a conversation we'll have later on. But um, even if not, this is a serious one to consider. This is very good. Again, I talked about Dr. Manipulation being one of the things that I thought made Dark Angel so strong. This is just another way they can do it. Mm, exactly right. All right. Next one, Fury of the Lion, Aura. While a friendly Dark Angel unit within six of this Warlord, if this Warlord has made a charge move, was charged or prone to heroic intervention, add one to the strength characteristic of models in that unit. So this is units, this isn't core, this isn't limited to bikers or infantry or whatever. Any unit within six of this guy, if this guy's made a charge move, was charged or heroic intervened, you get an Aura of plus one strength. Um, I think this one's quite good. Definitely not bad. You know, plus one strength is really good. There's a lot of strength four and five in the army on the mm. various Deathwing units. Getting up to five, six can be quite a big benchmark in lots of instances. So definitely a, a good one. What I actually don't like a little bit is that the Warlord has to charge. Yeah, that's the only so issue. That, like, that's where, like, if he mm. fails his charge and there are units nearby and they make their charges, they don't get the buff. So I wish that that had gone slightly the other way, but it's still a good one to take. Uh, to me, this is well, one of those borderline ones where, as I'm writing the list, this is going to be the three or the four spot, kind of an is it in, is it out, and that'll depend on yeah. some other choices you make. Yeah, it'd be the utility slot. And it's, the, for my mind, like a Primaris Chappie's second Warlord trait, who's, and you, you, he's kitted for Bear, so he's kitted to go and smash. And then he's, you know, being supported by a unit or two. Uh, to screen him, keep him safe, and then give a give a buff to them as well with the plus two charge, etc. But anyway, right on. next one, yours. All righty. Next is Kelebanite uh, Knight. Each time the Warlord makes a melee attack against an infantry or biker, an unmodified wound roll of a two plus is always successful. Uh, pretty decent, but also one of your Warlords is going in that's so smashy that it needs to wound on a 2+, plus and doesn't already wound infantry and bikers on a 2+. plus. Yeah. Um, not yeah. bad. I just think that it's never cracked in my top four. Me either. I, I can't see this one making the cut, just because I think... I mean, in, in another army, another list, and with another character, this thing could be absolutely primo. But a lot of our characters are packing Deathwing, and they get rules to wound already. So this... And, you know, realistically, most of our lads are packing Strength 6 or better. Um, so yeah, yeah, if I I'm wounding getting, infantry on 3s, it's essentially... Plus one to wound into high toughness infantry only. So like, yeah, not bad, but not amazing. Yeah. Either. If this was everything except vehicles, a lot better. A lot, lot yes. better. Um, infantry and bikes makes it makes it a bit rough. You don't even get it into beasts. Like you don't even get into Nurgle, like beasts of Nurgle and stuff, or Nurglings, which really well, not that you need it into Nurglings, but no, you get what I mean. Like you know, there are mm-hmm. limitations here that it doesn't need. Um, stubborn tenacity. 
when this warlord is destroyed, if it does not explode, you can use this warlord trait instead of using any other abilities that would affect a model that has just been destroyed, e.g. Astartes Banner. If you do, this warlord is not removed from play until the start of your next turn and uh, or the end of the battle, whichever one comes first. Until that happens, it is considered to be in play, but any further wounds this warlord would lose are not lost. This thing kind of does my head in because I'm trying to think, uh, think of how it could be good. Because to my mind, it just seems like oh, I just get to attack if I didn't attack, or if I the 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 other the other one is if I die from perils, I'll get to stick around and do my next like power or two essentially. Yeah, there are some very specific scenarios where this is very good, but they're so specific I struggle to justify it. So what I immediately yeah. think of is if someone kills me, not only do I get to fight. I'm still there when they make their consolidate moves. Mm. So like yeah. they may not be able to consolidate past me, but then like That's if true. my opponent like knows I have this spoiler trait, are they going to be able to game plan around it? Is it actually going to be that effective? Is it basically a free fight on death? Very fluffy. Yeah. To me, it's a pass because it's so hard to engineer. And I think a good player is going to recognize like you took this warlord trait. Let me read this thing. And then they're going to realize like, all right, I, I guess you're still there, so I just need to play around that, and then it'll be fine. So one of the applications that I thought of was something like a Talon Master that's on one wound left. You don't need him to live anymore. It's the end. It's like it's the top of turn five. So you just buzz him over in front of, move and advance him in front of a unit, an obsec unit that's going to get on an objective, get in the way, stop them from getting it, and then when they try and kill you, you don't leave the board, so you're still in the way, and they they can't charge around you or whatever. Like, um, yeah. But that takes so much pre-planning, so much foresight, like, it's just not going to be a thing. Um, no, you can also charge someone you want and tie up, and then they can't smite and shoot you away. They have to actually fall back. Like, again, so specific. I just yeah. I don't think any of this is practical. Me like, either, exactly. Just, That's per- yeah. perfectly said, practicality. the practi- the, It sounds cool, it sounds fun, but the practical applications, just like, I struggle to find any um, right. that are going to be reliable. Let's right. go next. Uh, Decisive Tactician is an aura. Uh, while a friendly Dark Angel core unit is within six inches of the Warlord, add one to advance and charge rolls made for that unit. Uh, very solid, not flashy, but very solid. Not bad. I don't mind this. Um, yeah, I don't mind it at all. Depending on the army you're building, I like on the. I'm trying to develop a um, a mobile Ravenwing castle essentially, and this feels good in that list. This feels quite good in that list. Uh, because you get that, pl- that extra plus one on that turn, or any turn you can roll, roll yourself back into Dev Doctrine, you essentially got another plus one to move. Um, mm-hmm. But it's yeah, it's 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 like like you said, it's like my utility pick, my third pick, my fourth pick. Yeah, that, that's the question. I think that it's a direct competition between this and the plus one strength about what are you trying to do with the list. Um, mm-hmm. To me, it's mostly about when I'm committing a Terminator unit to combat. I just really don't want to fail. I really True. don't. Yep. And this well, is a nice value, take little it, take insurance. Does this work with the Chappies plus two? It is not cumulative with the Chappie. The mm-hmm. Chappie specifically doesn't stack with other modifiers. Um, however, you don't always have a chaplain. He may not be nearby. You it's may not have one in the list. Uh, that's certainly a, a, a conversation to be had, you know, uh, in the list design, you know, part of this. But um, it, it's a thing to consider. But if you take a chaplain, you probably don't take this. Agreed. Um, uh, last one here of the regulars. On over the first legion. It's a six-inch rock intervention. That's it. <laughs> and you know there's nothing what? special there. I missed. Yeah. No, no, that's what it does. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. It just doesn't set you on fire. Yeah, like specifically taking a judiciar, and I ran out of other good warlord traits to take. Hard to justify because there are other good warlord traits. It's better in chapters that don't have good warlord traits, but yeah, um, 
yeah, it, it does what it does. We all know what it does. Yeah, exactly right. All right, so now these are, we have two Ravenwing Waller traits and two Deathwing Waller traits, uh, specifically for units with those keywords or characters with those keywords. What's the first of the Ravenwing ones? Right on. It is lightning fast reactions. Uh, each time an attack is made against this warlord, subtract one from that attack hit roll. Solid. That's, that's not a bad thing that, to have. Interesting they chose to call it lightning fast. Um, as yep. in the exact same thing that the stratagems for every Eldari is yep, called. Yeah, it is. They, that is they, an interesting. Are they insinuating thing. something, you think? No. No, <laughs> no I don't. It's, um, uh, uh, it's solid, but it's not setting yeah. on fire. No, it's not. I, mean, I don't want this my characters of, to get charged. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Master of Maneuvers, the next one. This wall is eligible to shoot or charge in a turn in which it fell back. Not bad, but a little bit too specific. Um, I, like This is the one that Sammy comes with, and Sammy is quite takeable in certain lists so mm-hmm. i don't think this is a bad thing to have um but once again this isn't like a this isn't a brilliant strategist this isn't a fury of the lion something that's going to affect multiple units or increase your army's efficiencies wholesale yeah, exactly all right let's um, talk yeah. about the ones this is where it gets interesting oh, oh dear yes all it right. does first up is watched probably the best of them um once mm. we're battling your opponent's psychic phase this warlord can attempt to resist one additional psychic power, even if it's not a psyker, and even if it's not within 24 inches of the enemy unit uh, that's manifesting that psychic power. When uh, taking the Deny the Witch test, do not roll the dice. It is automatically passed. This is the same as it was from our Psychic Awakening, same as it was in our Index as well. And I can tell you, it's the same damn level of awesome. Oh my god, still so good. Still just so clutch to have that ability. Mm. So the, the amount of clutch psychic powers is admittedly reducing, like the efficiencies of things like the double moves of Twilight Pathways uh, warp time is reducing. Those things are still linchpins of those armies. I can tell you without a doubt, every Harlequin player you're playing against is going to try and double move on you at some point. Is going to try and do some psychic shenanigans. Every Chaos player is going to do some psychic shenanigans. It's just a thing that's going to happen. Um, uh, null zone? Exactly. Null zone, perfection, death hex, perfection, just... So powerful, so potent. This I, I rarely leave home without this. But funnily enough, my last couple of lists haven't had it in it. But I think that might be because of my, uh, uh, the directions my meta is going more than anything else. Is this a go-to mm-hmm. for you? Do you always take this? Um, I do not always take this. This is very much a meta call where if you need it, you're going to take it. And if you don't, you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, Dark Angels yeah, have other ways to deny the witch. So it's not unique in its role. But it is a mm-hmm. very solid warlord trait. And uh, especially if you're building a team format list, this suddenly becomes crazy. Absolutely right. Um, I think if I was going to like a, a six six round or hell, like an LVO eight rounder or nine rounder, like um like CanCon and stuff, you, mm. you would just get so much mileage out of this. Especially if you sure. if you're but the bigger the events get, the less you're able to make a specific medical, and this can just get you past so many gatekeepers. It's yeah, really really good. Uh, last one, so. inexorable. Um, each time an attack is allocated to this ward, subtract one from the damage characteristic. Um, of the ones that sing- that benefit a single model, I like this one the best. Yeah, it, it's a good one to have, but again, how many models are benefiting is really the question for exactly. determining exactly. worth. Yeah, spot on. Um, this is the one that Belial comes with. Making Belial like a hell of a fridge is a hell of a fridge oh of a boy God. now. Yeah. He's Two a plus armor. Yeah, four plus invuln, only wins on a four plus, minus one damage, minus one to hit in combat, I believe, as well. Don't don't quote me on that. I'll check it in a sec. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. this this is a, a very, this is a very nice one for a single character. If you're if you're building a beefcake, if you're building a, a butcher, someone who's going to be slinging up and operating independently, not too bad, my man. Tell us about your your first and second picks. What is what is, what is your top three here of the Waller traits? All right, uh, number one, brilliant strategist. Uh, doctor manipulation is key. We have super doctrine things. 
being able to use a super doctrine in every turn is fantastic. Being able to choose the turns you're using it even better. Uh, that's my absolute number one here. Uh, regarding, I, I consider this with my war, my warlord and my named characters. If I don't know the named character and I'm just choosing one, this is probably the first one I take. But uh, after that, yep. number two has to be watched. Yes, I I agree. I watched is watched makes most of my lists um, without a doubt. But yeah, brilliant strategist. Um, it's almost too good to leave at home. You're always going to get mileage out of it. Yeah, um, I think it is. Even if the yeah. MP doesn't matter, the, the Doctor bonus as well. Yeah, I agree. Um, the only time it becomes a bit awkward for me is that now a lot of my lists want to leapfrog into Dev Doctrine. Uh, sorry, into Assault Doctrine. Um, so, the, But there are other ways to go back to Dev. Like, in you know, if you don't, if you decide Brilliant Strategies isn't your go-to and you need something like Rights of War or um, Commanding Oratory or whatever, Selfless Healer, mm-hmm. um, you can, there are the, like, like you said, there is just a depth of ways to manipulate uh, doctrines, isn't there? Absolutely is. It's uh, it's crazy how much manipulation you can get out of all this, honestly. There's a lot to be yeah, done here. Dude, it's actually absurd. And this this is a codex that is so deep, it's going to take some some solving. And in the spirit of that, we're going to call this part one of our review to an end. Um, we're going to start up our part two of this uh, from the Interimenter Discipline. We're going to work our way from there through to the relics, through to the secondaries, and through the applicable data sheets, the ones that have changed enough in the way that they have the way that they're going to play and the way that we're thinking about them that they're going to be worth talking about which is probably most of them to be honest but mm-hmm. dudes thank you so much for joining me thank you much very much for your insights and your your big big brain dude anything you want to plug on the way out no i think i've said it all uh thank you so much for uh, listening and having me on so please come and join us over in the part two me and john will be talking about our first list concepts that we're talking about for dark angels what john has been running what john has been successful with the archetypes the secondaries the stratagems the relics the ins and outs the good matchups the bad matchups and all that other good stuff so jump over onto patreon or the art of war.com sorry 40k.com and you'll be able to purchase that part two and hopefully you'll come along for the ride guys so thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you on the next one say good night john good night Thank you for listening to Art of War Down Under, a content review podcast for Warhammer 40K, hosted by Adam Camilleri, produced by Seamus Ronan. Enjoyed the show? Want your lists reviewed and the content you heard put into practice? Sign up to our Patreon and connect with us online or on Facebook. Just search for Art of War Down Under, signing out from tomorrow.